0: What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports gambling partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. That's going to get you in on all the action. And guys, UFC 271 is coming up and on today's show, I'm going to tell you what's on the line between Derek Lewis and Tai Tiavasa, and also what we should expect in the rematch between Adesanya and Whitaker. All of that in a few minutes. But first, let's begin with what we saw over the weekend. Sean Strickland, Jack Hermanson, where do you want to begin? Because this thing went in a few different directions. First off, this was probably the worst performance I've seen from either one of those guys. I don't like to talk like that, but they did. Jack spoke like that, Sean spoke like that, so now it's fair game. So let's hold that thought. We're gonna come back to that in a minute. You then had a built-in narrative overlaying this entire thing about the judging. It was split decision, one judge had that for Jack the entire fight. Two had it for Sean, off you go. You then have what we are banging the drum on that this was the number one contender's fight. Now, we're a little bit alone on that. People are looking, including some of you, leaving me comments, Brunson, Cannoneer. Don't disagree with you. I do not disagree with you. It's just a lot of times you will have two matches and the best performance goes. Dana stated that officially one time. Do you guys remember this? We were in California. John Jones was the champion. Machida was fighting Ryan Bader. And Shogun was fighting Brandon Vera. And Dana goes, all right, they're both going to fight tonight. Four athletes, whoever looks the best, becomes number one contender. Do you guys remember that? Dana's never done that. since. I loved it. I thought that was awesome. It put pressure on everybody. We knew what we were getting. I loved it. Dana hasn't been in that exact same situation, though. He's had several fights coming up back-to-back, back-to-back weeks, not on the same card. So, by example... If you're looking at Brunson and Cannoneer, which has not officially been said to be a number one contenders match, I get why it would. I get the rankings, I'm not giving them a hard time. Great fight. I'm just arguing that there's another great fight that happens to be a little higher up on the card, known as a main event, on a little network known as ESPN. Don't act back to me if you don't agree with me, but don't act back to me like Strickland versus Hermanson doesn't also matter. It is not just the higher ranked guys. There are two categories of rankings. There's the top 10 and then there's the top 5. They're two separate groups. So I just bring to you that this fight does matter and this was a narrative and this narrative was playing out during the fight including in the third round when the announcers led the audience to believe that Sean Strickland was running away with this thing and possibly will be fighting the winner of Adesanya Whitaker. Hold on. I gotta stop you right there. I feel if that narrative were not released to the audience by the announce team, we would not have as much of an argument going on about the judging. That was a close fight. I think they both underperformed. I have never seen Sean Strickland move laterally and backwards as much as he did that night. I just haven't seen that from Sean. He plants it. He gets in the puck. Boom, boom, boom. He's coming forward. He just didn't do that. That's all right, but he didn't do that. The same thing for Jack. One reason that Jack had such a hard time taking Sean down, Sean was going backwards. If you're wrestling somebody, you need him coming at you. So it it stopped Sean from having some of the great strikes that we've seen. It also stopped Jack from getting to the ground. Whatever. It was fine and it was fair game. But I'm bringing to you guys, that was a close fight. You tell me who won round one. Well, let's just take this thing one thing at a time. You tell me who round one, round one. I thought Sean won it. Mm, and if you said, chill, I'll bet you $100. I would have taken the bet. If you would have said shale, I say Sean won. You said shale. I bet you five hundred dollars. I'm out. Too rich for my blood. I wasn't sure he won. You get my point on that? Round one was close. I had it for Sean, but I would not have cried foul ball if it went for Hermanson. And one of the judges had it for Hermanson. I'm only bringing to you just in the first five minutes. That was a close fight. And if you listened to it and didn't watch it, right back in the old day where you couldn't watch fights. You had to hear him on something called a transistor radio. If you would have heard that on transistor radio, you thought it was a blowout. I'm telling you guys, it wasn't. It was not a blowout. This was a competitive fight. Those leg kicks by Hermanson were devastating. I remember this used to drive Chuck Liddell crazy. Chuck Liddell was a huge leg kicker, champion of the world. But he had teammates, and he saw other fighters implementing that same game plan, and Chuck would go crazy, saying, why don't the judges give any credit to those leg kicks? The leg kick is as hard as a baseball bat. It's damaging. You can't see the blood. You don't see the swelling. You don't see a a disfiguration on the face. And therefore, the judges don't give it the same credit. Well, this one judge did. And he's right, too. He's right, too. Jack was hurting Sean with those leg kicks. It was the most devastating blow of the first round. And Jack had about four of them. So to give Jack that round, I'm only focused on one round. I don't want to go two, two, three, four, and five. I just want to remind you guys, we went into the second round not knowing who was winning. The second round, I also thought Sean won. But I was well aware going into the third, it could be one apiece. For sure. And that's what you guys saw too. You saw that too. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That first round could go either way. Second round, two Sean, going to the third, we're at a draw. But we're being led to believe that it's all smooth sailing and Sean is just sailing this one in. There was that one point in there where boom, boom, Sean throws a one-two, Jack returns with a one-two. And the announce team tells us, oh, Sean Strickland is now picking him apart. Picking him apart? It was two for two right on the noggin for both of them. I'm only sharing for you. That was not a terrible job by that judge. And for that judge to want to look at those leg kicks, and then, of course, you've got octagon control. That's another thing, guys, we forget what the unified rules say. You want to talk about octagon control, I got to go back to Sean Strickland backing up and moving laterally more than he ever has, and Jack Hermanson coming forward. Every time they hit the fence, it was Sean's back hitting the fence because he had nowhere else to go because Jack was coming running at him. It was a close fight. I want the record corrected. I want the record correct. I don't like it. I love to be hard on judges. I love to be hard on everybody. And we're all in it together, and we're throwing mud one day, and we're wiping mud off our face together. It's what we do. It's the community. It's how we have fun. If we all agree we ain't fighting. We don't all agree. We're fighting about everything. Can't do it on this one. That was a close fight. Three to two, Strickland. That's what I had. The other judge had it three to two. Jack. Okay. Well, that first round. Okay. You 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 could come to that conclusion. Now. What do you do from here? Because we're in the exact same spot with Sean, which is nobody can beat him. And if they can, they haven't. And Sean has called for some hard fights. Sean called for Paulo Costa. Nobody wants to fight Paulo Costa. Well, except Sean. So even if Sean doesn't get the fight, even if you go, oh, Paulo Costa could beat him. Sean called him out. This is the way it works. The rules on the playground carry over to the octagon. If Sean calls for the fight and doesn't get the fight, Sean wins. That's how that works. So there's not a whole lot of guys left for Strickland to fight. If Brunson and Cannoneer go out there and don't have a great performance, and that's a toss-up, man. Those are two studs for sure. I get why that's being looked at. But it's always good to have options. It's always good to have a little variety. If that fight goes out, somebody lays an egg, or whoever wins that fight, Sandhagen's his own career, and calls for Marvin Vittori, it's going to open a door for Sean Strickland, who gonna have a hard time coming through it. Sean is, Sean is a character, man. He's doing a gimmick, he's a character, he's an entertainer. It makes me nervous. I think he's going in the wrong direction. I think there was a time for that to get some focus, to get some attention, to get the better fights, to work your way up the card. Once you get there, you can now go down Main Street. There's always room for a straight man, for sure. You start playing that game, and I I made a living playing that game. I'm just here to tell you, it's a risky one. It's a risky one. I think Sean makes some people uncomfortable. I know everybody's laughing and everybody's cheering him on, but I don't think that they're really supporting him. I think they're laughing at him. I think they're in shock of what he's doing. I think he's misinterpreting it. Sean Strickland, two-time main eventer, two-time winner. There's nowhere else to go in the business. Once you main event status, there's nowhere else to go. There's only world title fight. I'm not backing off this one. I'm not conceding that it's Cannoneer and Brunson. I think the winner of Cannoneer and Brunson has company. I think that company is Sean Strickland. So let's go from last weekend. And look forward to this upcoming weekend, UFC two seventy one in Houston, Texas. Adesanya versus Whitaker part two, Lewis versus Tai Avassa, and of course Canadier versus Brunson. I'm very excited for Saturday night, and especially the main event, Adesanya Whitaker part two. Stay with me on this, guys. You gotta stay with me because I'm gonna lose you partway through. Look, anytime you're doing a rematch, it does not matter what sport. It doesn't matter how many times you're going to be asked and you must have an answer to the question, what is going to be different? You have to be asked. It doesn't matter if you won or lost. You still got to be able to answer that. Here's where it gets confusing. I asked you a moment ago to stay with me. If you want to juxtapose Robert Whitaker of today versus the Whitaker that fought Adesanya the first time against Adesanya that Whitaker faced the first time at Adesanya today, they're not even close. Whitaker has grown leaps and bounds. Adesanya has not. I will go as far as to tell you Whitaker is not the same fighter anymore. And I will use as an example to that statement, Whitaker rounds one through five against Calvin Gatslam. Robert Whitaker had never attempted a takedown. He had never gotten a takedown, which meant there was no ground and pound. There was no groundwork whatsoever in his entire career. He goes for four takedowns against Calvin. He gets all four and he kept him there. That's a big deal. Don't miss that. If you go watch that fight and you see how good Whitaker got at wrestling, but you you miss that he kept Kelvin there. Because now you're talking about two skills, not one. It is a skill to take somebody off their feet. To keep them there is a different skill. One is wrestling, one is grappling. Whitaker showed a mastery of both. Batted 100%. Went for four takedowns, got KG down four times, kept him there. It's very relevant. Very relevant. Because the only weakness we've ever seen from Adesanya, and you can go and look at Izzy's first fight within the UFC, Adesanya versus Vittori part one. It was a split decision. One of the judges thought Vittori won the fight. I thought Vittori won the fight. Michael Bisping called the fight. Michael Bisping thought Vittori won the fight, but he did it by taking him down and keeping him there. So the only thing that we've ever seen, the only kryptonite of the champion is now a tool that is in the box of his next opponent, that was not there the first time they fought. He is vastly different. Here's the problem. And I think I've won you on that. I think if we're just looking at who has gained more from the first, I think I very successfully, and probably unanimously, won you guys over, it is Robert Whittaker, and it's not even close. Here's the problem. Their first fight was not competitive. I've been following this sport for 23 years as a fan. I have never seen somebody lose twice in one evening. Adesanya knocked Whitaker out in the first round, and then he knocked him out again in the second round. It was absolutely dominant. Why did that happen? Because Adesanya was so fast. And one thing that Whitaker said after the fight is he talked about the speed of Adesanya. But when I see Robert Whitaker, oh my, god, I can't believe how fast that guy is. Particularly for his body, right? You can be one or the other. You can be very fast, or you can be very strong. It's very hard to be both. Whitaker, the muscle shark, bop, 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 and he's got this great speed, but Whitaker even said, man, it was hard. I couldn't see him. He was a ghost in there. He's over here. I'm throwing punches. Now he's over here. He's throwing punches at me. Whitaker was extremely complimentary of Adesanya, which I, for one, like for Whitaker. When a guy knows full well what the good news and the bad news is, that's the only chance he has to actually flip the script. If he follows, oh, you must be positive. You must have confidence. Why? Why, why must you have an illusion? Why can you not be realistic? If you're not realistic, you have no motivation, let alone an ability to go in the gym and grow and change. Whitaker's done everything right. He's done everything right. And the threat of a takedown is more important against a kickboxer than the takedown. If you never take a kickboxer down, you'll be okay as long as you have him being reactive as opposed to proactive, because he's fearful that you can take him down. So if Whitaker comes up, because, look guys, I don't make believe for you just because Whitaker uh, showed these great takedowns and surprised Kelvin. That's one thing that Kelvin had against him that night. It was a total surprise. I know, I know that because I was, I couldn't believe it when it happened. And the first time Whitaker caught him down, I even thought that. Kelvin didn't get up, the bell rang, and I remember thinking, that won't happen again because Kelvin now knows it could happen. Kelvin is a much better wrestler than Whitaker. Just nowhere in his mind did he think Whitaker would try it. than he did, and he got it. Did another round, did another round, four for four. It was very impressive. But I bring that to you because taking Adesanya down is very hard to do. Brunson couldn't do it. Yoel Romero had 10 rounds to do it and got it done twice. I apologize. Yoel had five. I thought they did a rematch, but he got him twice. This is the Olympic silver medalist, the world champion, the most decorated wrestler in the entire division, possibly the sport, and Yoel Romero barely get him down and couldn't keep him there when he did. Vittori, who already had experience with Adesanya, who already knew take him down and keep him there, couldn't take him down. So we know that Adesanya's takedown defense is impressive. But we also know that nowhere in Adesanya's mind did he have to worry about Whitaker trying to take him down because nowhere in Whitaker's past had he ever taken anybody down. It's relevant. It's very relevant. It will change the way you fight. If you think, hey, we've got an unwritten agreement. One of the reasons that Colby versus Usman part one was such a good fight is those guys, they had a contract and they both knew it. We're standing on our feet. You call it boxing, kickboxing, you call it tie fighting, call it a street fight, but we're staying right here toe-to-toe. And they both agreed to it and they both knew the deal for 25 straight minutes. I bring that to you because it is one thing that is different. When I see Robert Whitaker, I see one of the best 85-pounders to have ever done it. When I see Adesanya, I see one of the best to have ever done it. But Whitaker appears to greatly respect Izzy? Am I right on that appearance? Just because he appears to respect doesn't mean he does. But am I right? Do You guys see that too. The first time they fought 57,000 people right in your backyard. Biggest live audience MMA has ever seen. That's a lot of pressure. Interim champion, undisputed champion, main event, pay-per-view. That's a lot of pressure. That pressure won't be there. It is not a home field advantage in fighting. It is in every sport except fighting. You don't want to fight at home. Not where everybody's counting on you, not where the media is all on you, not where the marquee's on you, not where everybody that you know in life thinks you're a badass and now you got to go prove it to them half naked in front of the world. It's not an advantage. Derek Lewis talked about that. Derek Lewis fought surreal in Houston, and when the fight was over, because it was too much on me. I think I can deal with that guy. But fighting at home and dealing with a championship match, that's fair. That's a real thing. And and Whitaker won't have it. Which speaks to the fact that Whitaker is likely to bring his skills with him more than he did in their first contest. If Whitaker can bring that with a level of confidence and these new takedowns, you're going to have a different fight, guys. I am not telling you, you're going to have a different result. That's between those boys. But you will have a different fight, and when you are confronted... And you might just be asking yourself this, but you will still have asked the question or one of your friends will, who's better? What's changed? There's a clear answer to that, which is Robert Whitaker's wrestling and grappling, not just one. He can get you off your feet and he can keep you down once he gets you there. That is a tool that he was not equipped with. Is it enough? Is it enough to level, right? It wasn't a tit-for-tat fight. There was a big gap. Is it enough to close the gap? Is it enough to surpass? That's what this is about. That's what this is truly about. Now, Adesanya's coach, Eugene Berryman, more outspoken possibly than any coach that I've ever seen in MMA, but he came out and said, I don't want Izzy to knock out Robert Whitaker. I want it to be a whitewash, and I didn't know what that meant. What's a whitewash? I had to go Google it. I had to look it up. I finally had to call my buddy Ryan, who used to live in Australia, and say, "What does this mean?" Well, whitewash means you control somebody the entire time. It's not tit for tat. It's not a check in this column and two checks in this column. You tell it. It's 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 a whitewash. No marks in the other guy's column. You absolutely destroy him. Eugene Bearman said he wanted this. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with gamesmanship from a coach. I have no problem if he wants to tell us the strategy. But then Coach Bearman finished. Why? He said, I want this so that there's absolutely no doubt. That part confused me. There was no doubt after the first time. Again, not only did Adesanya take his belt away, not only did Adesanya catapult himself to one of the biggest stars in the sport and one of the greatest 85-pounders ever. He didn't do all those. He beat him twice in one night. There was no question now. And I've heard Adesanya refer to Bobby Knuckles as his nemesis as his greatest opponent. I've heard him say that. I didn't see that. I don't know where that's coming from. I'm a little bit surprised by it, not to mention, Whitaker definitely would qualify as polite. He's been so polite to Adesanya and company that I'm wondering, does he know what he's getting into? Whitaker, by nature, is a very nice man. Is that what this is? Is this just polite? Or does Whitaker not want to be here? So at one point, Whitaker told us that. Dana said, I'm going to make the fight. Whitaker said, and I quote, I'm not stoked about it. Now, Stoked might go in the same category as Whitewash, Why? I just don't know what the vernacular means. And that was over a year ago. A lot has changed. It's a very interesting fight. I know what Adesanya's why is. His why is to get rid of what he views as his greatest nemesis, and to leave absolutely no doubt. What is Whitaker's why? Is it to show the new skills that he has? Is it to even the score one apiece? If so, are we going to have to see part three down the road? There's still a few days before the fight. I'm excited for it. I do want to know why it matters to Robert Whitaker. The middleweight division is in a very interesting spot right now. And coming up next, I'm going to tell you why so many of the division's top fighters are making a mistake That's in a moment. But first, a word about today's sponsor. The moment we've all been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code CHAIL to get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code CHALE at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 and older. Minimum age and location requirement vary for jurisdiction. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877 8 hope Y, or text hope Y to number 467-369. Middleweights on display this week, not just because there's a championship, guys. Make sure you follow along. Anytime there's a championship fight, and I do mean anytime, when there's a pay per view championship fight, one of the new policies is to bring in a backup fighter, but it's not done every time. For, just by example, Gone versus Ngano, we all thought somebody would walk through that curtain. I thought it was going to be Derek Lewis, but I knew somebody would be in place. There wasn't. Now, even though that's the new policy, the old policy, if you have a featured bout, whatever weight class that's in, in this case, it's middleweight. You put another featured bout on that same card within the same weight class. Why? So if you lose somebody in your main event, you can pull somebody that you've already promised and featured in his training, is planned to be there anyway, into that spot. Very obvious, but in case you're missing it, that's just the way this game is played. It's very smart and tactical. And the first ones to ever do it is the UFC. We've had promotions within this sport go out of business. Affliction quite literally closed the doors forever because they lost their main event and their roster wasn't deep enough and who they had built wasn't with the depth to move somebody into that fight opposite Fedor and have the show go on. So it's a very big deal. It's very smart. It might seem simple to you, but you don't ever want to miss this. You want to understand everything. Everything is very calculated within the way Dana White does business. Everything is done for a reason. Okay. So now we see what that reason is. We see where we're getting Cannonier, and we see that we're getting Brunson. I have one problem with Cannonier and Brunson. I love the fight and both of those guys as human beings, I really thoroughly enjoy. I respect Brunson because nobody's helped him. Nobody has believed in Derek Brunson. He did it all on his own. He believed in himself. He is getting better. He is growing. He is not afraid to fight. He wants to win this match to get back there with Adesanya, who's the last guy that whipped his ass. Brunson does not care. He believes in Brunson. Always has. Cannoneer is one of the better stories out there. Cannoneer was like a truck driver in Alaska, fighting at heavyweight, came down, skipped 205 pounds, drops all the way to 185. I met him one time to personalize it, but I put my arm on him. Hey, how you doing? I'm chill. It was like touching a brick wall. Every piece of his, it was like touching steel. And I remember thinking, I think I even told him, that, hey, like you're in pretty good shape. Very nice guy, but with a really great story. Now, I'm digressing and offering that because I'm upset with both of them. I'm upset with both of these guys for one reason. They're not building this fight. That is unlike them, both. They're both got a level understanding of what it takes and what it means to be a main card and a featured bout. I have included on my own that the reason they're not bringing attention to this is they are under the impression... And perhaps they have already been told quietly, this is the number one contender's match. The reason I come to that conclusion is they're doing nothing. Before I sat down to tell you guys about this, I said to my producer Ryan, Ryan, is Cannoneer and Brunson on this weekend's card? I swear to goodness that's a true story because I didn't know because they haven't told anybody. I knew they were fighting, I know it's a big fight. I didn't know they were fighting this weekend for sure, I had to double check it. That's their fault. I live in this sport that is 100% their fault. Now, why would they do such a bad job? The reason that I'm guessing, and it is just that a guess, is they think they already know something. They think there's a bird in the hand. They think we don't need attention. We've already been told. It's the top two ranked guys. We're going to square off. As a matter of fact, if anything happens to Robert Whitaker, one of us might slide in right on this very night. Everything is going our way. That's what I think. That's what I think. The problem that I had with that is you will never be lied to by a promoter. I always got to hear what a scummy and what a dirty and what a lying business is. A promoter is as good as the information that he has. All of us as human beings are as good as the information we have. Things aren't lies. They just change. You got to know how to adapt with that because it's like the flags in football. Some are going to go against you, but some are going to go for you. And when the game is done, at least you're going to be real even. But you have to understand we're operating on What we believe is true at the time that we said it. The only reason I said it is I really do think somebody's told these guys. There's no reason to do such a bad job in a number one contenders match as these two have done. Unless you think the work's already done, the haze in the barn, all I got to do is beat this one guy. I don't have to deal with the media, I don't have to bring the fans in. My name's Derek, I just got to beat Cannoneer. If my name's Cannoneer, I just got to beat Brunson. That's it. That's what I'm guessing. But I would bet very heavily that I'm exactly right. Here's the problem. Here's the unseen. We have nobody in MMA with the power over their own career as Israel Adesanya. Now, Israel Adesanya is given that power because he strategically takes it. Adesanya, who will entertain you on the way to the ring, he's the only interesting walkout in the business aside from MVP. He will entertain the hell out of you in the ring. He might even go into breakdancing. He will cut a promo before he leaves the ring. He's a triple threat. If you can do one of those three things, you have a spot in this business. If you have two of these three things, you have a spot at the top of the card. He's the only one that can do all three. But it's extremely relevant. Nobody has controlled his own career and his own destiny like Israel Adesanya in the history of MMA. Israel Adesanya used that very power to go for a champ-champ spot against Blahovovich in a, in a weight class that he couldn't even make, let alone had ever competed in. Israel Adesanya used that power to take on a personal rival in Yoel Romero, who was coming off a loss. Izzy Adesanya used this, the 90 beat Whitaker, to get business going with Paulo Acosta, who was sitting in the front row. Izzy is going to let us know who he's fighting next, and whoever Izzy says he's fighting next, if he gets his hand raised against Whitaker, if history is our greatest trajectory to the future, we know is who he's going to be fighting next. And no, nobody says that Izzy is going to say he wants a rematch with Brunson, regardless of how Brunson does. Nobody says that Izzy is going to call out Cannoneer. Izzy has been very sweet to Cannoneer, has actually said, I will fight him, because I met him one time, I hung out with him, and I liked him. I'm going to give him the opportunity because he treated me the right way. I'm not going to take it for okay. Those are really good things, but you don't know what Izzy could have his eye on. Sean Strickland. It is going to be very hard to unwind whatever Adesanya does in the ring on that microphone. Every member of the media will be watching. Every fan who cares about the division will be watching. The live on every. This is your market. And if Izzy goes left, you're not going to be able to go into a press conference in the back that's shown on a couple of dot-coms and rewind it. It doesn't work that way. We've seen this with Kamaru Usman within the last year. After he gets done with Gilbert Burns, he calls out Masvidal. Masvidal was supposed to be fighting Covington. They scrapped that. They were going to be the coaches on The Ultimate Fighter. They scrapped the whole goddamn thing because the champ had told the world, I want this guy. I'm sharing that with you because nothing is done until it's done. Nothing is said until it's set. Izzy's got to win for anything I just said to be true. And perhaps that will be the winner of Brunson and Cannoneer. Perhaps that's exactly what Izzy is looking, but maybe it's not. All I can do is follow the basic rule. Put myself in somebody's shoes and uh, try to figure out what I would do in that same situation. If I'm on a Sonya, I'm not into the rematches. I'm just not. Kamara Usman is having to go through a division a second time. I don't know that that bothers him. I just know if it was me, I'd want a little bit of parity. I'd want to spread it around. So I don't know how much Adesanya wants to jump back in there with Brunson. If Cannonier looks great, what if he looks too great? And you got to understand, guys, this is all if Izzy wins. If Izzy loses, Izzy becomes the number one contender, and we go to part three with Whitaker. So it's very wide open is all that I'm sharing with you. What is on the line here? World Championship. In addition to that, you have personal grudge and you have geography in your favor in terms of having a big fight. These two guys already did it once. 57,000 people showed up. When you got New Zealand versus Australia, you picked the sport. We got a good night of business. A lot is riding on it, but a lot is also riding on the rest of the middleweights. None of them can be sure. None of them know what they're going to get. None of them are going to get anybody, regardless of their positioning, to go into a back room in front of some dot-coms and get a bigger bounce than what Izzy says in the ring. And Izzy will not leave that ring without letting us know. He is a master. He is a master of making sure before tonight's business is over, I set up tomorrow's. And we don't know who's going to win. That's just if it's Izzy. If it's Robert Whittaker... All bets are off and this is all for naught. The middleweights have a fight going on right now. They're not aware of it. They're not playing the game. Sean Strickland has got to speak most recently, but Canonier and Brunson get to speak last. It then goes to the judge. And the judge is Izzy Adesanya. History matters. Adesanya's opinions trump all within that division. So that's enough on the middleweights for today. More to come on Friday. Let's spend the rest of the show on the heavyweights, and especially this weekend's must-see co-main event. Derek Lewis versus Tai Tiavasa. Guys, what's on the line? This is being promoted by Dana White. Dana White has a history, very well known, that he puts on significant, meaningful fights. What is the significance and what does this mean? Well, every 10 years, even Dana will have a little bit of fun. This fight is fun. There is no fight that has ever popped off the page. And that's not a word we get to use very often. It was fun when James Tony came over. It was fun when CM Punk came. It was fun when Brock Lesnar popped in. This is fun. And we don't get to see that much. I remember a fight that Dana promoted. And I still remember the way that Dana promoted. And I loved it. And i remembered it for 20 years. It was Matt Hughes versus Ricardo Almeida. It made no kind of sense... Why are these guys fighting? Well, they wanted to fight. And Dana got asked this question at a press conference, and I remember to his day what he said. He said, sometimes two guys just want to fight. I'm in. You you have me. You've got me. And every so long, we get to just have fun. Look, Derrick Lewis is one of the top guys. Derrick Lewis just fought for a world championship. Okay, when I tell you he's one of the top guys, he was officially the number one contender Within the calendar year, what was that, four months ago? Last time we were in Houston, six months ago if I'm losing track? No, six months ago. Yeah, what, five, six months ago. All right. My point is the same. Tai Tiavosa fighting for a championship is not in the cards. Tai Tiavosa fighting a number one contender is not in the cards. Titi Tiavosa is the modern-day Tank Abbott. Tai has got a belt and nothing. Don't worry about a black belt. Don't worry about a brown belt. Don't worry about a purple belt. Taekwondo, judo, jiu jitsu, make something up, your mama's dojo, whatever it is, he has absolutely no belt. What he is good at is cage fighting. And he reminds me of Tank Abbott. He is not scared. He's big. He's powerful. He understands the weapons that he has. He understands that those, those bullets can't miss, but he will walk straight across that cage and get into a fist fight. That sounds a lot like Derek Lewis, right? I mean, on paper, I get where Derek's polished. I do. I get where Derek does have belts. I get where Derek does have an understanding of the sport. I get all of those things, but you guys also understand. Derek has pride. He sh- if nothing else came of his uh, match with Cyril gone, where he refused to fall down and he refused to give up, he's a man of pride. He is not going to flip the script. He is not going to go for the takedown, period. Just it's not the way he's wired. So even if you want to tell me Derek's a more polished competitor, and I would agree with you. And Derek has actually surprised me in his ability to go late into fights. It was a weakness of his early in his career. Derek can fight for 25 minutes now. He doesn't have to. He's booked for 15. That's no problem. That's a major plus to Derek. What other positives do you want to give Derek? Don't tell me what his ranking is. Don't tell me who he's fought. Come on, I'm not, I'm not asking for his resume. I'm asking you, when you break down the X's and those, aside from Derek's ability to go five rounds, of which this fight is not, what other things do you give him a, a, a jump on? You tell me power? They'll both knock out a small pony. You tell me he can take a shot, they can both get kicked by a, a small pony, right? I mean, what do you see that he's better at? This is a pretty straightforward fight. Meet in the middle, throw your combinations, hope like hell you get out of the way when your opponent's coming, because he is. Get Bruce Buffer out of there and get, don't even have Bruce sit down because he's going to be coming right back through to tell you how this thing ended. It's fun. This fight is fun. That's what this is. I was at Tai last fight, and I'm not into the shoeie. Golly, I think that's gross. Like, not only am I not into it, I, I, you, people that like snakes, people that have a pet snake, that's a kind of guy. That's not my kind of guy. I don't like the snake, but if you do like, now I don't like you. You're weird. I think the shoey's weird. I'm alone. I'm damn near alone. There was 15,000 people at T-Mobile. Nobody got a bigger pop than Tuvasa. When he walked out, when he won, when he hit the celebration, it was massive. This guy is what we call over. I imagine he's going to get booed because it's in Houston, but not solid boos. There are going to be a lot of people, a lot of shoey lovers. This fight is for fun. Nobody's going into a title fight after this. Tuvasa could get a little bit more respect, probably get another really big fight, even move up in the rankings, so I guess that's something, but who gives a goddamn what you're ranked if you're not the number one contender? What's the difference? I hear people arguing that all the time, I want to be number 6 for what? You're not getting anything. You're not getting a title fight. You're not getting any more money. It guarantees that your next fight is probably going to be against 5, 4, or 3, which means you're guaranteed a harder fight. Is that some kind of reward, you weirdo? This fight is for fun. Let's have a look. Close out today's show. I've been talking about John Jones and his next step for what feels like five years now. And I want to tell you about the latest developments in that situation. I saw some training footage. I was flipping through something the kids call TikTok. And if I'm wrong, it was something the kids call Instagram. But it was a video and it was of John Jones training. And the captions were all John. Looks slow and sluggish at heavyweight That grabbed my attention Because I have not seen that and I haven't even heard that So I click on it It was a pretty good training video of John In terms, he's on a treadmill it has got a slight incline, he's running pretty hard He comes off the treadmill, he hits two spin kicks One in opposite directions to a coach that's holding the pad He jumps down, does ten pushups I don't know how many times he did back and forth But this was the circuit And he was tired And he was sweating and he was working And he was a huffing and he was a puffing It all looked good to me in all fairness, I frightening. John Jones is a great fighter. I don't think he's a scary fighter. He's approaching that. With this new size and this power and exclusiveness, in addition to the skills, he's approaching frightening. I did not see the way it was headlined. John Jones, slow and sluggish and heavyweight. That's just not what my eyes told me. Now, right when I got done watching that, I read an article by Big John. And Big John was talking uh with Josh Thompson. And weighing in on Jones versus Stipe. And John went as far as to say, I think that's going to happen. I think that's exactly where the UFC will go. I do believe that will be a championship match. I think Jones and Stipe know it that they're moving in that direction. John then went a little bit further to say, I think Stipe is going to have a problem because he's older. Now, that's very fair because I'm wondering that too. Look, that's the one that will get us all. John Jones has broken rule after rule. Taking time off and getting better. Changing weight classes and performing well. John Jones has been breaking rules from the beginning. You don't get to be the champion of the world at 23. You don't get to beat three world champions by the time you're 23. You don't get to be a main eventer. You don't get to finish Shogun, who's unfinishable, at 23. john has been breaking rules from the beginning. So I don't know that we can just look at okay, age is finally gonna get him. Okay, this size is gonna be a problem. Okay, he's had a layoff, he's not gonna be at his back. I don't think we get to do it. Okay, his coaches have left him, he's in a new atmosphere. Generally, those would all be red flags. That crazy son bitch doesn't know it though. You have to know it, right? If you don't, it's only true if you believe it's true. It's a very real thing. I've seen this before. Dan Henderson, one of the guys I've looked up to the most. In this sport and life in general, Dan Henderson quit wrestling after the 96 Olympics. He's a two-time Olympian. He quit wrestling. Somebody gets a hold of him 12 days before the National Open in 1998. Dan shows up to the National Open. He got in three workouts. It was just enough to make weight. It was a joke. He was playing. He just wanted to come see the boys. It was like a reunion thing. He wins the Nationals and gets Outstanding Wrestler. Like, there's Dan didn't know that he shouldn't be better. Dan didn't know you get worse at something. He knew where I left off. I can beat all these guys. So here I am again and I can beat all these guys, right? It's only true if you know it's true. And I, I bring this to you because when you do look at what Big John's saying, that's fair. It's going to grab John. Big John was speaking about Stipe. It's going to get Stipe. Sure it is. Has it done it yet? We don't know. That's between those boys. That's why they got to fight. I think that we're moving that direction too. Now, let's say that John is right, which would make me right because I agree with it all. And let's say we're going to get John Jones and Stipe. If that happens, John Jones is going to reach out from across the table, shake hands with Dana White, smile very big, and tell him thank you. That would be the right thing to do. A world title fight, a return to grace, a potential and opportunity to return to glory that comes with a great big jackpot full of money at the end of it. He's going to thank Dana White, right? Sure. Makes sense. Two years ago, Dana offered in this fight. and It was closer to about 17 months ago, but Dana offered in this fight. Dana offered John Jones a shot at Stepe Miocic. That was the conversation that was going the night that Dana went to a press conference after Angano beat Rosenstrike, and Dana ended the conversation and said, next in line is going to be Francis. The reason that was such big news is because it meant it's not going to be John and John was flirting with the division. He'd already said I'm going to that division. He'd already relinquished the 205 pound title. So I'm just bringing to you the very, sa- <coughs> the very same thing that John is now smiling Shaking hands and saying thank you for it. He was offered 16, 17, 18 months ago. 16, 17, 18 months ago to do the same thing while you're still in shape, you're ready to go, your senses are there, you haven't taken time off, you're still with your team. In John Jones's world to this day, it equals about 12 million dollars. That's possibly a downside. In a worst case scenario, had John just done the show, he's looking at about 12 million bucks. Now, that's John's deal. I just want to bring to your attention what John is now happy about, what he's now saying thank you for. He was offered a meaningful amount of time ago. And I see this happen in the sport constantly. I see some guy wants to break into the big time. He's thrilled. He tells the world. He goes to Facebook. He Instagrams it out. That same contract that he celebrated two or three wins later isn't enough and he's disgusted and everybody's against him and everybody's holding him back and this isn't fair. There's a piece of that psychology that happens every single time. And we're seeing it play out right now. with When St. Pierre's not in the room, we're seeing it play out with the greatest fighter of all time. The greatest of all time. Who knows the business? Who knows professional sport? Who's from a family of wonderfully accomplished athletes? Is now going to be thanking and excited and celebrating an opportunity that was offered to him 17 months ago. I have no point by the way. If you guys are waiting like for my big reveal of my point, I don't have, we're just having a discussion. But it's a very real piece of the psychology. And the world's a big place. And if you get stuck in the crack, sometimes you'll never get out. You're talking about being your own worst enemy, talking about guys that cut off their nose to spite their face. That's a real thing. Don't let it happen to you. If you had a contract one day that you celebrated, that your family celebrated, that you worked so hard to get, you don't get to be tired of it two or three months later. You knew what was in the contract. What's in the contract the day you said is the same thing that's in it today, but now you're, not, you're no longer celebrating. It's a piece of the psychology, and I see guys get in their own way. And as good as they think they are, or as big as they think they are, us fight fans want to see fights, and every Saturday we're going to. And if you're there, man, that's awesome. But my two hours or my $50 is still dedicated to whoever did say yes every Saturday. And it's one of the things that the guys miss. I will see fighters that retire and they're on top and they got a ton of fans. They could go do uh, an appearance at a nightclub and get 10 grand. They can go do an autograph sign and get 15 grand. It's one of these things. They retire, they walk away. It comes back to what Bruce Buffer had in on, which is eventually you become irrelevant. Now, the irrelevant isn't a slap in the face. There's a reason that when I watched SportsCenter last night and they covered football, they did not have Joe Montana on, who's the greatest quarterback of all time. That's just not what sports are. They're what's right now and what's next. That's just the way that it works. So the irrelevant is not something got taken from you. You helped to set the table. You helped to grow it when you were there. Hopefully you left it a little bit better than the way you entered. But somebody did that for you, and now you pass it to the next generation. Those guys that are getting all the attention will pass that to the— It's the way it works. And it's not a bad thing or dirty. It's a beautiful thing. You should feel wonderful to be part of that. The Dan Severins, the Ken Shamrocks, the Don Fries, my favorite, Marco who was. They should be very proud of where the sport is today. They helped with that. But the sport doesn't come back and thank them. It's something that gets paid forward. You pay that forward and, some, and then those guys pay it to the next guys and they pay it to the next guys. That's what this is. That's why we're a community. That's why we're an industry. Don't lose sight of that. And make sure that you understand the lesson. John Jones is going to fight Stipe. They're going to fight for the belt. John's gonna make a whole bunch of money, they're gonna do it in the heavyweight class. All of those things I just said were also true the first time this conversation started 17 months ago. We are still gonna get what we wanted. We want to see John fight Stipe. We waited 17 months, we still get what we wanted. He is out $12 million. All right, guys, that's it for today's program. If you enjoyed it, head on over to Apple Podcasts, search for your welcome, and leave us a review. Like this one that says, every time I see a fight, I always think I can't wait for Chael's take on it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to be back on Friday with my official UFC 271 predictions. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Welcome.